0: Welcome back to Bible Love and Merry Christmas. We are in, is it the fourth day of Christmas? I lose count. Uh, It's the fourth. It's the fourth day. So Merry Christmas. Today, we're recording on Wednesday the 28th, which is also Feast of the Holy Innocents. And so we thought we would pray this collect for us as we begin. Let us pray. We remember today, O God, the slaughter of the Holy Innocents of Bethlehem by King Herod receive, we pray, into the arms of your mercy, all innocent victims. and By your great might, frustrate the designs of evil tyrants and establish your rule of justice, love, and peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
1: Amen. Listeners, we're so glad you're with us. We hope you're having a wonderful Christmas season. Remember, it's 12 days long. Us um, Episcopalians love to push that, and it's not all over, and you make baby Jesus sad when you put your Christmas tree out on the street before the end of the 12 days. And we are joined by a very special guest today, Bird Tracy. Bird is a layperson who is the Christian education coordinator at Christ Church in Needham, Massachusetts. And we got to know Bird from Forma, which you might have heard us talk about this a little bit. We just kind of put it out there and said, who wants to come on our podcast and talk to us about Job and some of the hard folks in the Bible? And Bird responded. And so welcome, Bird. We're so glad you're here to be here with you all. So you were starting to tell us this cool story about, um, Job and your interest. And I was like, whoa, 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 stop. Let's hit record. So will you go back and kind of tell us, um, that story again? Cause it was,
2: it was great. Sure. So I am particularly fond of the book of Job, um, and deeply engaged with it because of sort of a series of things that happened when I was in high school, which was that my AP Lit teacher had us read the Book of Job at the beginning of the semester um, as part of, you know, the larger curriculum because AP Lit goes all the way back, Um, but also in order to launch us into the next unit, which was Theater of the Absurd. So we read Job then reread a play by Archibald MacLeish called JB, which sets Job with puppets in a circus tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will probably mention some more elements of JB later. And so that was early my senior year. And this is all sitting inside me. And summer rolls around, teaching vacation Bible school. And one of my second graders, now this is years and years ago at this point. This kid is probably out of college at this point. Um, she looks at me one afternoon and she goes... Does God still love the devil? (laughs) And I'm standing there in my church going, you know, struggling for an answer that I can give that's appropriate to the second grader off the top of my head. And I had to go into Manhattan that afternoon. Um, And so I was on the Staten Island Ferry all afternoon just thinking about Job and how we are in relationship and, you know, God and sin and this whole big picture.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been a priest for 8 years and I still don't know if I would have a good answer to that question. <laughs> right? So, um so what did you discover as you started thinking about that and praying about that and discerning about that? Yeah, I mean
2: a big part of, you know, sitting with us, obviously, with more theological background. And I really enjoyed listening to the previous episode on Job with Dr. Mm-hmm. Hopkins, um, yeah. you know, his description about how, you know, this isn't Satan as we as we know him. But right. But, and also, I have I was an English major in college. I have a bad habit of mixing up biblical uh, like Satan concepts with Milton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotcha. So that gotcha. occur sometimes um, in my brain. But uh sitting with that was really this sense of God's holding everything, less that it was about love and more that it was this sense that while Satan is this thing that drives division, that God is able to hold that division. And so that may not be the same thing as love, but it is enough to kind of bind the whole thing together.
1: Yeah. I love it. You've said that. And this has come up a lot in Job and in, and other podcasts that we've done that God is big enough to hold all of these things. Um, when Dr. Tony was on, we were talking about a lot. I just listened to it again this morning. Like, You know, people are upset with God and that's okay. God can hold that. People Mm -hmm. are in love with God in moments of their life. That's okay. God can hold that. God can hold all those things, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think when we realize that and internalize that, instead of going, it's got to be one way or the other, you know, very black or white, there's a lot of gray in all this. And that Mm -hmm. is okay. That is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciate what you said, Bird. I appreciate that. So tell us some of your your parts of Job that you know really like grapple, stand with you that that make you think, that make you encounter God, as Doctor
2: Tony would say. Mm-hmm. So I think a big part of what I am drawn to about Job. Is there's a way that they frame it in this Archibald McLeish play where one of the characters says, If God is God, he is not good. If God is good, he is not God. Mm. And this pushes up really hard against this notion of the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, who presumably because God is all those things, is also omnibenevolent. Um and so what does it mean for Job to come into this suffering, um, that either, you know, God is good and God, you know, gives us justice if we are good people, you know, this restoration or retribution model that, you know, you all talked about, um, or that God doesn't actually have all of these powers, like, the, those are the, you know, the two things that are in struggle here. Um, and I think it's also, you know, another phrasing of the sort of everything happens for a reason model right. that is just so harmful. And I love how Kate Fuller talks about that um, as just another form of the prosperity gospel, but, you know, for health and other th- circumstances
1: okay okay we got to stop we got to talk about that for a minute right we have got to talk about this (laughs) alan i know you hear this so many times bird i know you hear this i hear this all the time you know everything happens for a reason blah 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 blah. and i just want to throw up but i also know that people are like in their grief or whatever um and that is what may feel comforting to them do y'all, have y'all had those experiences? Alan, say something about that. I'm sure you have. Yeah.
0: And <laughs> just recently, uh, I mean, this goes back to when I think I've talked <clears throat> on the show before, like the big traumatic thing in my life was this church shooting where <clears throat> several friends were, were murdered. And I remember past, I was in college. I remember pastors like saying, you know, this is God's will. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, they're trying to give meaning to this whole thing i'm like to hell it is right like yeah no it is not god's will that a 14 year old gets shot when he's trying no. to run no. humble of the church right all the way up to just recently right talking to a parent whose child committed suicide and they're like where is god in that
1: yeah yeah I, I, I... It,
0: but like god doesn't this isn't god's plan right god doesn't want brokenness god doesn't want why god allows it i don't know Job didn't know none of us know um and i think that question of why does a good god do this or is god even good i mean that's the eternal question (laughs) there there may be a deeper question there that why do we associate the lack of suffering as a good like how can suffering be good i mean that's something we could unpack in longer than we have here but i mean that's It's an eternal quit. Anytime, anything. That's why.
1: Yeah. And I, I definitely believe like God is with us in that suffering and that pain and all of that. I don't believe God caused those things. But I also. Do believe in the Holy Spirit, and that God, and that God's got this too. Like, and all of that is complicated to hold. As you were talking about Bird a minute ago, holding all of that, it doesn't make sense in our brains that we want to be like understanding all of this. But I, I I, I do get it, and I understand it, and I'm okay with it. So for some reason, I'm okay with God holding all that. You know.
2: And I I think another reason that I feel really strongly about Job as a text is that, so if we look at the series of things that are done to Job, we start with like property and then with relationship and then with his own physical health. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm someone who lives with multiple chronic illnesses and disabilities. And so to say that, you know, my, my pain is not, for a reason. My my pain simply exists. And I am, you know, could I pray to God to take it away? Could I curse the day I was born as Job does? I could do those things. Um, Or I can, you know, see the way in which my pain and whatnot Form my relationships, help me form a particular theological view of things, that this isn't some, you know, I clearly did something wrong. Um,
1: Right. And I bet you have a lot of empathy as well to other people that live with those chronic pain, you know? And so Mm -hmm. there is like, I don't know if goodness is the right word, but there is something of hope that comes out. Of your illness, um, our our listeners know my husband has a traumatic brain injury. You know, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but I do like see the goodness that he's been able to connect with people and in their own and be empathetic in their own struggles. Alan has talked about going through a divorce. I'm sure you were able to connect Alan in a different way with people than you were six months ago, right? <laughs> I mean, so not that we would wish any of these things on anybody, but there is hope and goodness. And Job shows that, I think.
0: Yeah, and and Bert, uh, what uh, you said makes me think, right? And <clears throat> the Hebrew scriptures, right? It's a, a cause and consequence, right? Something okay. caused, whatever. And here, like the allegory is Satan is allowed to. Actually, do these things, mm-hmm. we get to the New Testament, and you know when we get to that in the podcast we 're going to wrestle with the part you know why was this man born blind? Did his parents sin right. did his grandparents sin mm-hmm. like, opposed to Jesus right because people still have that understanding and and even jesus 's answer is a little incomplete to me, right? He said, mm-hmm. no one sinned, but this happened so that the power of God might be revealed, or however it is mm-hmm. right and even that like I want to dig into that translation a little bit because. It's a broken world. Crap happens. People are sick. Mm -hmm. People get injured. People get divorced. All of this happens. God's in it. He doesn't cause it. And how in that is the power of God revealed? Through the healing, Mm -hmm. through the wholeness, through the acceptance, through whatever it is, the connection we're able to make with folks. I mean, Job kind of accepts, maybe the wrong word, but, you know, it's like, this is it. Right. I do what he's I do. very
2: unhappy about it, but he's not going to blame it on God. No. Um, and It's not going to alter his relationship with God.
1: And don't you think that's one of the biggest things we can get out of the story of Job? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Job is so relatable to so many people. If you really think about it and mm-hmm. that he, instead of blaming God, even instead of, I mean, he's frustrated, clearly, all of those things. Yes. But I, I feel like he still tries to find a way to encounter God throughout mm-hmm. the whole in story. And and that, I mean, I t- kind of challenged us a couple of times ago about, like, how do we find that? And even in the good and the bad and all of that. I mean, would you say that, Bird, mm-hmm. that that's one of the biggest takeaways for you from Job?
2: Yeah, that, you know, I... Just love the way that Job returns to this place of, you know, praise and relationship, uh, you know, even in his suffering. And I think as someone, you know, who spends my life primarily talking to children, um, that, and then also to parents, especially, um, as a writer, I write a weekly newsletter. And so that just goes to a whole bunch of people that I don't know. And so I'm always trying to like frame things in these, uh, you know, various contexts that people can use in their daily lives. And I think, you know, Job is a is such a powerful lesson for thinking about, how we talk to children, especially about societal issues. So if you think about, you know, encountering homelessness or addiction with children, it's so much easier. And so many parents do this to ascribe essentially a sin model to it, that these people made mm-hmm. a bad decision. And this is how I wound up in this situation mm-hmm. instead of, you know, entering into a, the, you know, social complexity of it, but be into the relationship of it all. Um And that, You know, instead of creating separation, that these people did something wrong. And so they suffer and we keep ourselves apart from that, that we sit with people in their suffering. And then, you know, after we sit with them, we try to help them come back into relationship.
1: I love that. And those children are so lucky to learn from you in that way, to think about this in a different way and to change that narrative that we so easily can get into. I mean, I think I even said it in the last podcast. I was like, why do people with drugs and addiction, you know, but have it's that they're okay, you know, of course they're not okay, you know, and yeah. how do we change that narrative of loving them in mm-hmm. spite of this addiction or in spite of this homelessness or whatever. And I'm so thankful that you're teaching this next generation a different way to look at that. We need more of that for sure.
0: Yeah. you
2: mentioned,
0: Go ahead.
1: No.
0: no, I was saying you mentioned uh, your newsletter. We'll link that in the show notes. The other yeah. thing I'm really interested in, you know, you're a godly play trainer and I learned today that there's actually a godly play Job story.
1: Yeah. I didn't know that either.
0: You know, like we don't, Job doesn't come up on Sunday too often. We adults don't want to really wrestle with it. And so one, have you taught it or learned the Job godly play story? How's that experience been? Like, what are the lessons for kids out of this?
2: Right. So I haven't had occasion to teach it. Um, it's what we call an extension story in godly play, which means that children have to have a strong foundation in what we consider to be our core spiral. Um, and a lot of people don't teach godly play above second or third grade when you would start getting to these extension stories. Um, but the extension stories are usually told kind of as object lessons, and there's a series of symbols that you lay out in order to you know, get at the narrative arc of what's happening for this individual. And so with Job, part of what we are really grappling with, with the children is this idea of, again, God's presence. Um, so Godly Play has this notion that all of our stories are about confronting existential limits. Um And so Job is helping us navigate the idea of things like aloneness um, and whether or not we are alone in our suffering. And, you know, we have this like kind of whirlwind that comes down into the story and God's voice emerging out of that. And so children hearing that will already have encountered God in a sort of state of invisibility on the mountain with Moses and maybe you know, if they are hearing extension lessons out of the burning bush and in these other sort of intangible, but yet undeniably present ways. Um, and that's something that we really come close to in godly plays is, is this notion of even when things don't look the way we accept, even when God doesn't seem tangibly present, that God is there.
0: That's really interesting to me kind of the series and how it builds on itself, because I think too often Job can be a book where someone's like, look at this God's a jerk. He's in <laughs> with Satan, whatever. And right. Like if you read it in isolation and if you think about Job as a character in isolation, but right. Mm-hmm. Job in this story, Job knows all about these other stories. Job knows about Moses and the burning bush. Job knows about. And so, that's really interesting to me, the teaching kids that this isn't a standalone story. No. That you have to understand God's presence in the wilderness. You have to understand God's presence mm-hmm. in captivity, God's presence in exile, and also God's presence in Job, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's how the Hebrew people would have heard this with all this other stuff. So it makes sense to me. I hadn't really thought about that. That's really yeah. fascinating the way mm-hmm. the stories build on each other. Because it, it kind of lessens it. God is there because God has been there.
1: It's also very relational too. When I heard you talking, I was—that's uh, what I was thinking. Like, how do the children find themselves in these sort of situations? You know, in yeah. this isolate. You know, and a lot. I mean, I, I know working with my youth. I mean, they feel lonely a lot. Okay. They feel outcast. They don't know how to even like be in conversation sometimes, you know, because they just don't know how they don't have those skills or whatever, or they, I'm not going to be like an old school mom, but you know, been on their phone all the time, whatever, you know, whatever it is, but like to be able to look at these stories and really find the relationship of uh, uh, identify. I mean, we've talked about this so many times on the podcast. I, and I, I think it's such a gift that I have learned doing this is, yes, these are the stories of our history. This is the story of God, but it's also stories of God's people that we can find mm-hmm. ourselves in and to realize that we are not alone. I think people need to know they're not mm-hmm. alone. You know, um, yeah. I always find this it is, interesting. Yeah. I was looking at, you know, kind of these days in between Christmas and New Year's, I was like kind of checking in on Instagram and I was watching these like random reels, you know, they're not anybody Mm -hmm. I know, but these people are like super vulnerable, you know, Mm -hmm. like talking about, you know, their divorce or their loneliness or their depression or their mental illness, whatever it is. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, some people might really judge them for doing this, but I'm really thankful because you never know who they might be reaching, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: There's a priest in the Pacific Northwest who does an incredible practice on TikTok. Actually, using I, I like to show up and use my millennial powers for good. Uh-huh. Um you know, she does this incredible practice on TikTok that she started doing months ago. Uh she will like light a candle and she'll play he often what is some kind of trending sound that is full of like anger and struggle. And she invites people into rage prayer because God is there to hold our rage and we're allowed wow. to be mad at God. Like Job is not, not mad at a God, even as, you know, he continues to praise God. You know, God, God is big enough for that. And this is something that uh, Elizabeth Riley, who's yeah, in Washington state does. Wow. regularly.
1: That's pretty cool. We'll have to link that, Alan. Yeah.
0: And we, uh, you know, we're getting into the Psalms after the first of the year. And David does that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't know the angry words to say to God, you can turn to some of the Psalms and it's written down for you. And that, right? like, how do we... Like, I almost think God wants that rather than we explode at our loved ones mm-hmm. because it causes real damage because our loved ones may not be big enough to contain it all. Right. Yes. Whereas well, God- and it just
1: makes God more relational, right? It just makes mm-hmm. God more our best friend. Like I think if we don't have that anger or we don't have that sadness sometimes It's like we're only around to show the joy of of God, which is great, but that's just like one-sided, right? You wouldn't do that with your best friend. I mean, Alan and I are dear friends. We have seen the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. I would like to say that I do that with God as well, you know, and I have had many moments of that. The hard part is, is sometimes we don't feel like we hear that voice coming back to us <laughs> that we need, that voice of re- reason, but we can find that in Job. Well, mm-hmm. before we finish up, Bird, is there anything else that we just need to know about Job and your, um, your, uh, I don't want to say love, your interest <laughs> uh, in Job.
2: I think the one other thing I really want to say about Job is that I think Joe teaches a lot teaches us a lot about how we approach prayer because we have this habit of especially with children, but I think a lot of adults get stuck in it too of treating prayer like God's going to do a magic trick um mm-hmm. that we pray for what we want, and if God doesn't do that, if that doesn't happen and come into fruition, then God hasn't answered the prayer rather than that the answer is something else that the answer is still coming, that you have been heard regardless of what the result is. Um, And so I think Job's prayers for relief that are coupled with, you know, his cry of praise and, you know, everything else that is surrounding him really help us enter more deeply into our prayer lives.
1: I love that. Thank you for that. What a wonderful way to end. Well, we are so grateful for your time. Um, will you come back again?
2: I've really
1: enjoyed our time with you. And um, we'll do all our, all of Bird's, um, connections so you can look up, look up all the, um, stuff that she's into. And, um, listeners, remember Christmas is 12 days long. You got much more time to celebrate. And also remember that we love you, but most importantly, God does.